Hello everyone and welcome to the very next RPG Backtrack, which is the next one because you're listening to it right now. So I guess it's the current one. So all that aside, we have a special show for you today. Uh, today, as always, we have with us Mr. Jonathan Self, a.k.a. Nice, head of New Update. Say hello, Jonathan. Or say anything, Jonathan. Hi. I'm not, I'm not witty, so hi, we'll have no. a look. That's all right. And not with us today, uh, over the past four backtracks, or has it three, four, however many it's been before now, is Mr. Glenn Wilson. He is unfortunately able, unable to be with us, and since he really didn't know anything about Shining Force anyway, we can't really mourn that loss. But to take his place, we have a special guest, a self-proclaimed Shining Force expert, longtime sight reader, Long, long uh, Q&A question writer, uh, high-end editorialist, and one of the highest reader reviewers on the site, Mr. Mike Minky, a.k.a. Jimmy Sin. Say hello, Mike. Good day. I'm not actually Australian. I just affect an Australian accent from time to time. Well, that's okay. Sometimes I go into my Hank Hill accent, and I don't mean to, and sometimes it's just totally natural. Um... So, and you didn't understand from this whole intro, we have this cast today to talk about the Shining Force series. Now, I love Shining Force, so unlike the past couple backtracks when I really haven't had as good of a grasp on the games, I've, I actually have a little bit more into these, having played quite a bit, quite a bit of them. And I think everybody here on the cast at least has... Some solid expertise. I would hope Mike has some solid expertise, considering, you know, all of your background in the Shining Force area. Oh, the hours I have spent with it are many. <laughs> but just to clarify, we're not talking about the action RPG crap that came out. I'm just going to get my bias out of the way right now, because I can't stand any of the action RPGs. I think, oh, uh, it's a disgrace to the series... Blah, blah, blah. Hate me if you like them. I don't care. We're talking about going all the way back, starting... Well, I guess the first one was actually uh, Shining in the Darkness, but we're not talking about that one. We're talking about the very first... Good, I don't have much to say about it. Yeah, the very first tactical RPG, Shining Force, for the Sega Genesis, and on up from there. So, gentlemen, have all of you played the first Shining Force from what I'm remembering, I'm thinking both of you have. I would hope yes. so. It was quite a while ago yes, when I played it, but yeah. So you've played it quite a while back, Jonathan. What mm-hmm. about you, Mike? You've how how recently would you say you've played the original Shining Force? Uh, either six or seven years ago, but I played it twice, so I remember it fairly well. That's good. You know, it's probably been a while since I played the first one too. It's you know. A little more dated than the rest. I know it's available right now on Virtual Console. And if you look back, it was released in 1992 on the Sega Genesis. Actually, 93 here in the States. So, this is one thing I've always wondered. You know, it was, what, Climax Entertainment and Sonic Software Planning teaming up together to do this? It's not like, you know, either of them have a really big go nowadays, but... (laughs) From what I remember, it was the two of them that kind of brought it all together, and I guess it was last year 
It was re-released on the Virtual Console for the Wii. So people, if you want to play Shining Force, you want to get a feel for it, it's your standard tactical RPG. But I want to talk about the series as a whole, uh, going through 1, 2, and 3, and the, the, the full series itself. So continuing on... Go ahead. Oh, yes, and Shining Force CD. That one counts as well, because that one did come over to the United States, so we did get to play that. Um, overall, I guess we're, we'll be talking about four to five games in the series. Uh, Shining Force 1 was the initial one. I guess the Japanese subtitle translates to The Legacy of Great Intention. I don't remember seeing that on the cartridge anywhere. I think mine just says Shining Force. Uh, are there any... Are there any fond memories? It's not like I really have to go into the full detail. It is a turn-based tactical RPG. You have enemies, you have allies, and you fight, much like a lot of the others that we played since then, such as you know, like Final Fantasy Tactics and Fire Emblem, but they're different than both of those games. It's Jonathan, what do you remember about just the Shining Force series in general, the gameplay of it? Uh, let's see now. Just in general? Yeah, uh, I was the first strategy RPG I've ever seen, and I would, well, I guess I could stretch to say it was one of the first strategy RPGs that existed. I mean, I, it's kind of maybe a far stretch, but I don't remember anything before then. I didn't play it at any rate. And, I think uh, it was, if not the first, one of the first to be released in English that much. Mm-hmm. It's one of the first I ever had any experience with, too. Mm-hmm. And I remember, uh, looking back, I was in... 8th grade at the time, and one of my friends came up to me, and he knew I was a big uh, Final Fantasy fan and liked role-playing games and the whole fantasy scene and all of that, and uh, his name was Tommy, I remember that, and he was like, hey man, I got this cool game, it's called Shining Force for the Genesis, because at the time he had the Genesis, I think it had been out for a I guess a couple years this game had. And he was like, oh, and look, one of these magicians in this game looks just like this cute girl I've got a crush on. So that's all he really cared about the game for some reason. You know, the <laughs> character art in the instruction manual, he seemed to love that. But, uh, you know, Shining Force, he let me borrow the game. And I don't think I ever returned it because I still have a copy. So uh, if, if you're listening, Tommy, which I guarantee you're probably not, thank you for the copy of Shining Force. It really helped spark my interest in the series. Do either of y'all have a copy of this game? Uh, no, I don't think so anymore. I think I rented all my copies. What about I you, did. I did, but lately I've been massively cleaning the shelves on eBay, and I figured that since the GBA redo... It's portable, and I can't take the Genesis with me very often. I had to let it go. Ah, okay. Well, you know, just something about the series in general. It, All of them are tactical RPGs. Instead of just having a generic set of characters that you can recruit throughout, you have predefined units, each with their own unique class. And, you know, by, by unique, I guess a couple of them overlap in a few games, but... Each character is either like a healer or a warrior or an archer or a mage. And there's also, you know, always some cool, unique classes that some of the later characters you get like Domingo. are like. Good old like Domingo. what? Domingo. Domingo? Yeah. Yes, Domingo. Yeah, you're, it's just your standard flying magical jellyfish. You see those all the time. Yeah. 
Why wouldn't you? Well, I've got a couple in my backyard right now. So, I know the one thing I liked about this game is, you know, the the progression of the characters. There wasn't ever really a whole lot as far as, you know, plot. The plot was fairly thin. You know, you're going up against the ultimate evil. In this case, what you had... Um, it was the king. Yes, you're supposed to go up against. Uh, it was the evil Dark Soul, who was trying Which is to a resurrect. Very good name though. A very good evil name. <laughs> Dark Soul. Dark Soul. It's kind of like bad guy. Let's call your name evil person. Dark Soul. General Grievous. <laughs> yeah, there's no. You know, misunderstanding his intentions when his name is Dark Soul, and he's trying to resurrect the Dark Dragon. So yeah, the plot's not the most um, original or unique or stellar part of the game, but the gameplay is what really stood out for me as far as fire or as far as uh, Shining Force went. You know, you'd level up your characters. Uh, when you got to level ten, you could promote to another class. So, you know, if you had a what, like a soldier, it could promote to a warrior, and they became stronger, their stats improved. And the first one, actually. I remember this ticking me off a lot, because if you try and promote at level 10, then they suddenly get actually weaker. So you have to give them a couple extra levels, or else they get mopped, they get mopped around on the floor very easily. Yeah, I can't remember specifically about the first one, but I do remember as far as they went in general that if you waited until you got to level 20, which was the max level that you could get to, and then promoted, they would be, like, super strong. And your units, upon being promoted, would return to level 1, and they'd continue to level up from there, and you'd just have super powerful characters by the end of the game. And I guess part 1 was a little bit more challenging than the others, from what I remember, because, you know, I guess it was their first attempt at a game. It wasn't something that, you know, they'd really had time to to polish off. And I guess it being hard is not a bad thing, because I remember playing it initially, and it was was challenging. Do either of y'all remember the first one enough to really say that you had a big challenge with it? Well, I had a challenge with it. I... I take it back. I I didn't play through it as originally, but I I, I um, sat down and played a couple level, levels of it um, at my brother's house. He had bought it on the virtual console, and it mm-hmm. it it seemed way harder when I was playing it back in the day. It doesn't. I mean, <laughs> it's pretty. I mean, as far as strategy RPGs go, the AI is incredibly predictable. Like they had a proximity where you, if you get close to them, they would move. Otherwise, they would just stand there and t- pass their turns for eternity. So you could, like, edge your oh, way around I, one of the sides. There are a couple instances in the first one where you can actually use a range 2 weapon and the and your stupid enemy, even though you're hitting it from across a bridge, say, won't move. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Didn't have the strongest AI ever. Yeah. You know. But, you know, we're talking about this one to kind of get, uh, you know, a good foundation set for the way the series was. It was kind of a rough one. It was the first tactical RPG I'd ever played, and even though it was kind of hard and kind of unpolished, you know, it did kind of lay the foundation for me wanting to see more of these games. And I don't think I ever saw another one until Shining Force 2 hit. Um, 
was there anything else about Shining Force 1 itself that was really memorable before we jump on to 2? I know it, it's just kind of your basic tactical RPG, well, but it did kind of lay the foundation back in the early 90s for this whole series and this genre, at least for North America, because it is the first North American tactical RPG I can remember. If there's others, I'm not saying I'm totally right, but if there's others, they didn't stand out enough to where I played them. Well, like, the only well, thing... I do remember... Go ahead, John. Uh, the only thing that I really, I mean, like, the story, as you said earlier, was pretty forgettable. I mean, the only thing I really, really remembered about it was the characters. And the characters, uh, you were going into a bit earlier, they were, like, each their own little predefined class, but each character was unique. But there were some really weird characters, like the Domingo was the flying jo- jellyfish, and there was a giant armored armadillo guy. And there was a... Uh, <laughs> In one of them, I think it was the second game, there was a turtle you could get. And each one would evolve into something strange and different. It wasn't always the same. So mostly just the characters stuck with me. Right, and looking back on it, I'm remembering, you know, you had, like, Domingo, the little jellyfish, and you had, you know, you had your archers. But it wasn't, they weren't all humans. You had, um, you know, kind of, they looked elvish archers. And then you had birdmen that Mm -hmm. could fly and go across... You know, water areas, and you could park them on the water where you couldn't with normal units. And all the knights were centaurs. Yes, you had centaurs as knights, and you know it seemed like first one. We better remember the werewolf. Oh yeah, the werewolf. I I forget the werewolf. What was the werewolf's name? Is Zylo. 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 Mm -hmm. That makes sense. But yeah, you had characters like that, and all of your. uh, your warriors, it seemed like, axe users were dwarves, and they were real short, and they were real powerful. And You always had the monk that was real powerful, with, you know, fought with fists only, but could heal too, so that was a good thing. Um, but, you know, that was the thing about Shining Forces. It was fairly basic, but it did set a good foundation for what is one of my favorites overall, and that's Shining Force 2, also for the Sega Genesis uh, I guess Mega Drive in Japan, and the date I'm seeing on this one was October 20 or October 1994 for a United States release. Um, and I know that this was at this point Sega had started using those horrible cardboard boxes, which makes it a pain to take care of. Oh yeah, I remember um, where I first got a hold of Shining Force Two. There was a little video store really close to my grandparents' house. And I'd always want to go rent games from any of the video stores around just because I love to sit and play RPGs during the summer or, you know, any time really. And I remember going to this store and they had Shining Force and they had a deal where you could rent a game for like two days. And if you wanted to continue renting it, you just didn't return it. And when you finally returned it, they'd charge you for however long you'd had it. So I remember one summer keeping this game for like almost a month. It didn't take me that long to beat it, but I just played it over and over and over because I just I enjoyed it so much. It I don't remember enough about the first one. I really didn't get into the first one enough other than just, you know, learning about it, seeing what it was. I didn't play all the way through it either. But I remember enough about Shining Force 2 in the fact that you not only had your tactical battles, one after the other after the other, like a lot of tactical RPGs are nowadays. But you could actually explore the world. That's something that they've almost completely done away with in tactical RPGs today. 
and something that I really liked about Shining Force 2. Um, now, did both of you all play Shining Force 2? Yes. <clears throat> well, at least I have. So, both of you have at least played this. Have you played... Do you remember playing through this whole game? Or was it... What about you, Jonathan? Did you play through the entire game? Do you just have a passing memory of it? Well, they kind of... I mean, I probably played these games when they were released. Was Shining Force 2 the one that had the circus? Or was that Shining Force 1? That's 1. That's 1? Okay. I remember... Okay. I remember that. It was a really hard fight. What was some of the encounters from the the second one without, I guess, getting too spoiler? Uh, there was a chessboard. Oh, on... yeah, yeah. I remember that now, yeah. That's the most memorable fight for me was the chessboard. I thought that was so cool at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, was two the one that you drove around in a little tank thing too? You got a little t- uh, some guy. It was some little. Yes, it was that yes. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess the guy but... who tags around with you for ten, twelve fights before he finally joins you. Yeah. <laughs> Slacker. And. You know, Shining Force 2 really jumped up, not only in exploration, but they had a lot more unique characters, too, and they had, like, tons of characters in Shining Force 2, from what I can remember. And, you know, like Mike was saying about the box and stuff, I I begged that store to just let me buy the game, and I begged my grandparents to just let me keep it and not return it and pay whatever kind of penalty they would charge for losing a game, and nobody ever would. So it was, like, ten years later... Um, I guess, oh god, it really wasn't ten years later. If this came out in 94, it seemed like a lifetime after that. I guess it was probably five years later. Um, I had a friend that I worked with. I'd gotten a job. I'd, you know, I wasn't hanging out at the grandparents as much anymore, (laughs) you know. Grown up, driving, had work in high school. And I had a friend that I worked with. I worked at EB at the time. And he was like, yeah man, I've got Shining Force 2. And I was like, you have got to sell me that game, because you couldn't find it anywhere else. You know, um, if if eBay was around, I sure didn't know about it and sure wasn't, you know, gunning to use it at the time. Uh, but I finally convinced him. He finally found all the pieces of the game and brought it over and sold it to me for $25. And I was like, oh, yeah. That's a deal. That's awesome. Sold. Yes. Heck, yeah. Do either of y'all still have this, or is this another one, like, Mike, that you've cleared out? Is it off the shelf, or do you still have Shining Force 2? Or did you ever have Shining Force 2? This one I still have. I don't. As well, you should. I don't have any more, and, and the, the, if I were to go try to buy it off eBay, it's a pretty expensive game nowadays. Mm-hmm. But luckily, October 6th of this year, it came out on virtual console. If, any, if anybody ever listens to any advice or any recommendations I ever have... If you like tactical RPGs and, you know, you don't mind playing, you know, I guess what would be considered a, a DS quality, DS style or tactical RPG. It's not high quality graphics or anything like that. Go get a Wii if you don't have one. Download it on the virtual console. Shining Force 2 is totally worth it. And hey. It's one of, one of my favorites of all time and it will support any kind of things that they might want to do in the future with the Shining Force series. And we'll talk about that later on. But and also, Do you have any memories of Shining Force on, or, if I it, see a copy on eBay right now in the box that's going for 44 bucks. Well, that's not bad. But, yeah, uh, not, no, but compared to 8 bucks for Virtual Console, yeah. Well, something else yeah, I was going to mention, too, is if someone doesn't have a, uh, a Wii, there's that um, so- Sonic's Sega Genesis collection oh. that's going to be coming out, too, and 
That has both yes. of the games and uh, Fantasy Star 2, 3, and 4, and that's only $30. I'm not sure how yes. good the ports are going to be, but it's a strategy RPG, so I mean, like... I mean, I don't know how much you can fudge a strategy RPG. It either works or it doesn't, so... Yeah, because it, oh. it'll be a direct port on that. So oh, I, rem- I never played it, but I remember hearing just how horribly Sega emulated all the games it put on the Sega Smash Pack for Dreamcast. Yeah, yeah well, there's the... um. I guess this is probably way too much detail, but the uh, the team that they're using to localize all those games is the team that uh, did the uh, Sonic the Hedgehog game on Xbox Live Arcade right now, and I can't remember the name of them. It's not the Sega has this team in Japan that's really really good. They don't just emulate the games; they actually go back and create a pixel by pixel recreation of the game. They actually reread the code and everything, and it's nothing like and- that. But uh. What this big collection of games was is that um, they wanted to release a lot of these on the Xbox Live Arcade, and apparently Microsoft... I mean, this is just a story I've heard, so I'm not sure if it holds any weight whatsoever, but um, <laughs> they, they were trying to stop putting so many ports on Xbox Live Arcade and actual original titles, so Sega just made this huge compilation CD, and it's going to have a day with it. And, and the one you're talking about is actually coming out It's Sonic's Ultimate... Genesis Collection. Yes. And it's coming out for the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360 in February. Mm -hmm. February 10th, and it's retailing for $30. And it has a crapload of games in it, including Shining Force 1 and Shining Force 2, and I believe Shining in the Darkness, and Fantasy Star 2, 3, and 4. So, you know, that's totally off topic, but that's another way to get it. Mm-hmm. But still, 8 bucks if you've got a Wii, download it on the Virtual Console, because, you know, why not? I think it also has Fatal Labyrinth, which is one of the worst games I've ever played, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> you can have that just for, you know, just for Mike's enjoyment. You know, yeah. Say so, so you, can, you can suffer through that one, too. For my masochistic pleasure. <laughs> it does seem kind of like... You know, you do have a masochistic pleasure with things because it seems like you suffer through a lot of old games and games that you can't read and all kinds of stuff you've got to have translation facts for. I'll just stay out of this, considering I'm the guy who finished Seven Saga, so I'll, I'll, I'll just stay out of this. Well, the longer you look at Japanese text, the more some of it starts to make sense, and, well, maybe that's just my imagination. And staring at... Hiragana and Katakana for so long has made me believe that I understand them, when in fact I have no real idea what it's saying. You know, I guess unless you're going to Japan or trying to really translate for somebody, I guess as long as you think you understand it, isn't that all that matters? <laughs> it doesn't matter if you really do. So, Well, particularly with most of the games that I play, they're old enough plots aren't too complicated, so I don't have to think that hard. Yeah, so getting back to the, like, the plot of Shining Force 2... You know, in case I remember, <laughs> I remember clearly the intro. You know, you've got the little rat guy, uh, the rat thief, I guess is uh, Slade, was his name, breaking into the ancient shrine and stealing some jewels, and in the process, in the process, unleashing all hell upon the land. Uh, it's basically yeah. what happened. I remember and, that. And they had the whole epic intro. You know, the king gets. Either I can't remember if he gets possessed or attacked or. Oh, I just like to mention that the king re- is remarkably reminiscent of Santa. <laughs> he did. He had the big white beard and you know <laughs> I don't red cheeks. Yeah, I don't remember him saying ho 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 kids or anything like that. But you know, he did kind of look like Santa. 
Um, yeah, how bad can a country really be if its king is Santa? So yeah, Shining Force Two took place in the North Pole, <laughs> and that's apparently where the evil of all the world was. It, it, uh, Xenon was, you know, the grand leader of all the evil stuff in the world, and you know, apparently he was unleashed. So you know, nobody likes when that happens. So. Guess what they do? They call the kids in town. You know, they're the only ones that are still left to be able to do anything. They gather up it's a couple kids. Theory. Children surround Santa. <laughs> I guess that's exactly what it is. You know, Santa gets attacked. They've got to rescue Santa and save the kingdom. So they get all the kids to help because the adults, they don't care. They don't believe in Santa anymore. You know. Yeah, they have to buy the presents. The kids just get free stuff every year. Exactly. So, I think, you know, Jonathan kind of touched on this earlier. The most memorable thing for me is, of course, not the plot. You know, the plot you could really just kind of gloss over and not really care. But since you spent so much time in battle and so much time with the characters, you had such an, a fascination with all the different kinds of characters that you had. You know, you had, like, the turtle that you were talking about, and then you've got the... Uh, the rat guy, the the were rat or whatever he is, Slade, and later, and he's really good. Yeah, and you know, I guess you know he felt bad for unleashing the evil, and they they meet up with him later on, and he joins up, and he's like, "Yeah, I'll help you out." Mm-hmm. And, Thanks uh, for helping to put together the mess that you created. Yeah, but you know, there were so many. I've always been a person that loves playable characters. That's like one of my things about RPGs. I absolutely love the more playable characters you have, the more I, I guess that's not a totally comprehensive statement, but it seems like the more I like it, the more playable characters there are. Give me thousands of playable characters. Give them all unique personalities. Don't make them the little generic recruits that, you know, look exactly the same that you hire at a bar, you know, Give me unique characters. I don't care if they have no reason for joining up other than, oh, well, thank you. You fixed the wheel on my caravan. I'll I'll come and join you to fight the legendary evil. What's that? You're going out of town? I've never been out of town before. Never mind that things will be trying to kill me. It'll be fun. <laughs> That's pretty. That pretty much sums up how most of the characters join you in Shining Force. And, you know, the first two games... You know, it was really focused on the characters, and you always had, you know, the good guys, the bad guys, and you were fighting against the, you know, I guess the bad guys army, the devil army, and, you know, there were a few cool plot twists that were very transparent that you, if you didn't see coming, you were totally, absolutely not paying attention, but it was still cool to see how it took place and, you know, how it was handled and all of that stuff. Yeah, so, can anyone guess what the name Oddler might signify? Oddler. Hmm. Who might he be? I don't know. He seems to have lost his memory, though. Who who are you? And someone else is missing from the ranks of the Devil Army. Hmm. (laughs) You guys lost me. I have no clue. Sorry, I just spoiled something. Yeah, we won't go into too much detail. Let's just say there's there's a few plot twists in there that are that are rather transparent. And when you go and download it off of Virtual Console for $8 or however much it really is, like I'm trying to sub, you know, subconsciously tell you or subliminally tell you to do, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. 
So go download it, play it, then you can come on here and talk about it. And you can come on and talk about it regardless. We don't care. <laughs> but continuing on, uh, do either of y'all have any memorable things about Shining Force 2? What about you, Jonathan? Do you remember anything specifically from it that really stood out for you? You know, music, battle, plot, characters? Uh, not so much, like I said earlier. Uh, I mean, in this, this episode, you guys are really more the experts, but mostly just the characters. Um, let's see, if I can remember... The turtle, I remember... You remember the Kraken battle? Hmm? Say again? That stink- the Kraken fight, which is just a pain, because you have so little maneuvering room. Yeah. Oh, I can't recall... For some well, reason, I, I found a list of the characters, and I remember far more of the Shining Force 1 ones, but truth be told, I probably played two far more. Mm. There was a whole lot more you could play into, and mm. I'm remembering the exact fight that Mike's talking about is that Kraken fight. You're on this little platform, and there's all these legs that you've got to attack, and you know, you've got to get the head, and it's just, there's so many things that you've got to do in that battle, and it was near impossible to hunt down everything and be able to get it, wasn't it? Oh, yes. What about you, Mike? Is there anything else memorable? Oh, a few a few things, yeah. I remember how... Well, you mentioned that you're able to wander the entire world, pretty much. Yes. Which is cool. However, somebody allowed a couple of bugs to slip through, which sometimes means you get to fight battles you fought a long time ago. They're worthless now. They give you one experience for everything, but you can't get out of them without casting, uh, what is it, Egress. Egress. Yeah, I remember that. And that was one good thing about the game, though, is if you wanted to grind, there were places that you could grind because, you know, any battle that you started, if you got too far into it, people started dying instead of just getting the big game over. You could hit, you know, get your main character and cast Egress, and boom, there you were. Everything was wonderful and you were back in the town and you still had all your money and all the experience you'd gained so totally great for grinding if you were trying to promote a character or trying to get all your characters matched up you know about the same level I also remember that promotion was a little different in this one because you could you couldn't promote until level 20 and you could go until level 40 before promoting and I did that and what did I get an army of unstoppable demigods. If you wait until level 40, they will be here unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, it made the game an entire cakewalk. Just, you know, a lot of times, even when you promoted at 20 or just slightly above, that that top promotion that you could get, it just made you almost untouchable as is. But, yeah, like you said, if you waited till you know, 30 or 40... Yeah, yeah. It, it was no joke, because you really had grinded so far that... Is it grinded or ground? You know, do you really... Do you, grinded? <laughs> I, I, grinded? I ground. I'm not the best uh, <laughs> one for that, though, because I live in Oklahoma, so... Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, it did make a few battles harder in the middle, just because you couldn't buy the weapons that were only for promoted people. But that's about it. Yeah. And if you just sat and tried to grind over and over on the low-level but low level battles, it would take you forever. So you did have to progress through it in order to kind of be able to, you know, grind away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, except, for heal- except for what? Healers always have that little cheat. Healers always have their little cheat in Shining Force games. 
Yep, just heal the next person. Keep healing whoever has hit points low, and boom, you get XP. Like, the same amount, regardless of whether you healed, what, 100 yeah. XP, or 100 hit points, or 2 yeah. hit points. You know, I'm kind of amazed, too, that some games still use that same sort of leveling system that Shining Force had. And it isn't the best leveling system in the world, but... Mm. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, there were the uh, optional promotion items, which were kind of cool. Yes, that that was another thing I was going to touch on is you'd you'd get optional promotion items, and I think if I remember correctly, you could also get um, maybe these are the same things, but I think weren't, weren't there wings you could put on certain characters, or was that one of the promotion items? I think that's one of the promotion items where you can make a Pegasus knight out of a guy instead of a paladin. Were those the, right? Were those the ones also that um, you had the archers and you could make put the archers in like a little armored motorcycle thing? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. 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 Yep. You can Instead of promoting them to a sniper, they could turn into a, what, a tank knight or a... Yeah, it was like a firing... Gunner, think, right? Yeah. Yeah, some kind of gunner. I don't remember all the details of it, but I remember exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know... Coincidentally, the, that's what the guy who hung around with you for so very long before joining was. Mm. Yeah, he was. One of the... I guess, Steam Gunner or something like that. Is that what it was? Yeah. I want to say brass, even though that makes no sense, because throwing brass at people is not very effective. <laughs> but I don't think the localization on the on the titles was the strongest point of this either. They didn't really care <laughs> as much. <laughs> you know. Yeah, Sega of America's translations were, um, shall we say, uh, loose. Let's use yeah. that loose. Yeah, but I mean, if the era yes. of the era was anybody's translations all that great, I mean, really, I mean, yeah, I guess back then it really wasn't at all. Um, but one thing well, that really at the same time of Final Fantasy three, and it did have a good translation, I say. But whatever, comparatively, comparatively so, yes. Um, but one thing I also remember about this game was there was a debug cheat that you could use. And I'm hoping, I really hope it's still in the virtual console one somehow, because that would be totally awesome. Um, But you could go in there and you could set, um, oh, what was it? You could set, like, uh, turbo mode. You could control the opponents. You could uh, go in and, with one of the cheats, you could rename all of the characters. So I did that one time and renamed all the characters after my friends and family and all that fun stuff. And there's tons of characters, and it kind of spoils who all is in the game if you do it to start with, um, which is always the coolest part of Shining Force is the recruitable characters, like I was saying. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, you could set auto battle and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't know. It's just kind of – it was the first game I remember getting a, a cheat code that was really more than just – you know, infinite lives, you know, like, you know, Contra and stuff like that had back in the time. And, you know, did either of y'all get to try the cheat code? Do you remember it? I didn't even know about the cheat code. Oh. I don't think I ever tried it. Instead, oh. I I went into that secret battle in the Elf Forest and did that a few times. Yeah, there were secret villages you could get to as well. And that was so cool about this game is that, you know, the fact that you were exploring the world map, there were things you could, you know, interact with and get involved in that you just didn't really find in other tactical RPGs or even today in tactical RPGs. I, 
I'm I'm almost hard pressed to sit and think, and I know there probably are some, but I'm hard pressed to sit and think of any of the true turn-based tactical RPGs where you can really explore anywhere. You know, in Shining Force, you could explore towns, you could explore the world, travel between places, find things, just like you could in a traditional RPG, and find secret uh, areas. I did a little of that, but I'm going to say it's because a lot of people who worked on the first Shining Force also worked on Beta. And, and see, that's another series I'm very unfamiliar with and would like to have seen more about. Um, well... It might have been released on Japanese Virtual Console. I'm not sure. <clears throat> yeah. Um, we can talk about FATA another time, though. Yeah, FATA aside, <laughs> you know, as far as North American releases go, I'm, I'm really hard-pressed to remember any that do do that to this day. It seems like that's the only thing I'm thinking of is, you know, just Shining Force, you know, 1, 2, and 3, as I guess we can jump into as well. Well, real fast, yeah. before we get past the timeline of it, did you guys ever play any of the Sega Game Gear games? Kind of. Um, the Sega Game Gear one that was released in... I played the one that was released in North America, mm-hmm. but was never able to purchase a copy, and I still hate the fact that I don't have that. It was the sort of Haja, but I guess I technically have played that game because it's the I'm, second half of Shining Force CD. It's, it's the second part of Shining Force CD. Really? Which if you had a Sega CD, hmm. you were also able to play Shining Force CD, which is kind of the next part in the series. And it was released. And, you know, just looking back on localization stuff and how it is today and how it was back then, I'm, I'm really surprised that this actually made it out. I guess they were just so dying for anything to be on the Sega CD <laughs> that they couldn't not put this out. Um, well, hey, if you think about it, you can come up with at least five games on the Sega CD that you couldn't get anywhere else, and were good. Yes. There are some good Sega CD RPGs. That's one thing I remember about it, you know, the Shiny Force CD. I, I go back and look at my CD collection right now, and I've got Lunar... Lunar 2, or Lunar Eternal Blue, and Shining Force CD sitting back on my shelf, and I don't regret any of the purchases of those, or the Sega CD purchase, because I played the fire out of those games. I absolutely loved them. Dungeon Explorer CD? But no one cares I, about I that with me. So. I passed on that one. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. sorry. Uh, but yeah. Shining Force CD came out in 95... 1995, and it was divided into two books. You could play them one after the other, you could play them separately, and what those were were remakes of the Game Gear games. Uh, It was Shining Force Gaiden and Shining Force Gaiden 2. That sounds right. There's a third on Game Gear, but that one never came out in English at all. Yeah, it was Final Conflict. Yep, that's it. What I remember. But, you know, so we actually did get to play the first two Game Gear games, um, and it was strange because Shining Force Gaiden 2 is the one they released on the Game Gear in North America, and in case this is all getting confusing, I can totally understand how it would be. But we'll just say that um, Shining Force CD was a compilation of the two Game Gear games. And from what I'm seeing right now on Wikipedia... Um, 
Shining Force, all three of the Shining Force Gaiden games for the Sega or for the Game Gear were released on Japanese mobile phones in '95. Oh well. 1995. It was Shining Force Chronicle 1, 2, and 3. 95? They had color or cell two, phones back then? Oh, sorry. It was uh, 2005. Oh, sorry. okay. <laughs> yeah. Their, uh, their cell phones... Early. Yeah, their cell phones, I guess, haven't been advanced that much longer than us, but yeah, probably. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, those were Shining Force Chronicle, and we'll never get to touch them, so we just need to make do with the fact that you know, at least a couple of us on here have played Shining Force CD, which I really liked too. It was, it wasn't much different than the others. It was, you know, kind of a. It does remove the town exploration, which is kind of a negative, but it's still Shining Force, so it's still good. Yeah, if you wanted something to play on the Sega CD at the time, and you wanted a tactical RPG, it wasn't as good as Shining Force Two, in my opinion, but it was still fun to play and. I guess the Sega CD itself was about the only limitation of the game itself because, first of all, you had to have one. And I remember that saving in that game was an absolute nightmare mess because, from what I can remember, I think if you didn't have like the little storage cartridge or the the memory cartridge for the Sega CD, that you could only save part of the game. Like if you wanted to go through and which part? Uh, it was like, like if you wanted to finish the end after completing the two stories, you had to yeah, find some other way to do CD, that. They added uh, a few battles at the end, which are considerably harder. But the only way to get them is if you have save files from both of the first two books. Ah. And I remember it was somehow hard to save everything on there. There was such a memory limitation, and it was just a nightmare to do. So that was one of the kind of side points that was kind of frustrating about Shining Force CD. But, you know, it was it was another Shining Force game, and it made me happy at the time. And after that, there were a few years of kind of quietness. You know, Unless you count Shining Wisdom. No, I don't. <laughs> We're, we're, forgetting those, we're forgetting those yeah, games Shining, exist. So, yeah, Shining in the Holy Ark. I do remember seeing those games come out and being like, "Ooh, ooh, ooh! Is it a new Shining Force? Is it?" And yeah, it was, but no, it wasn't. Uh, so it was still <laughs> part of the Shining. Yeah, it was still part of the Shining series, but it wasn't a Shining Force game because you know up until the the mid two thousands. If it had Shining Force in the title, it was a tactical RPG. If it was Shining something else like Shining in the Darkness or Shining Wisdom or uh, Shining Soul, it was one of the action games. Until they hit Shining Force Neo on the PlayStation 2, which was an action game. And I was like, well, that kind of screws my whole idea of how they're naming it stuff. And, you know, I heard Shining Force Neo was coming out, and, you know, of course it got me excited. And yeah. then saw what Sega has decided to do with it in recent years. Yeah. Hey, yeah, but there, there, there's hope, though, because that Shining Force Feather that's coming out, that's kind of pseudo-tactical. Yeah, and I was going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, Shining Force yeah, Feather... I'll just say right now that Shining Force Feather seems a very funny name to me. Are we going to get <laughs> Shining Force Hair next? Yeah, Shining Force Wing and Shining Force Feather <laughs> and Shining Force Molting. Uh, I think Molting is going to be the one that's a sequel to Feather. Um... Well, yeah, let's Shining go ahead. Force Force let's never see that one. <laughs> Before we jump into Shining Force 3, uh, I want to talk about Shining Force Feather, because 
it's the first tactical RPG to be released in the Shining Force series since Shining Force 3 back in two, or 1998. Or I guess it may have been 99 when the final one came out. But it's been 10 years since a tactical, original Wait. tactical... Do you want to count the game? GBA redo of the first game? Uh, yeah, I caught myself there. It's the first original Shining Force game. Because you know, that one was kind of an enhanced remake, and yeah. they totally redid that one. Um, and we'll touch on that in Shining Force 3 in a second. But I, w- I want to talk about Shining Force Feather while we're on it. I don't want to just put that behind. I am so unbelievably excited about Shining Force Feather. Uh, it's not developed by the same people that did the original Shining Force, and it's not the exact same as the original Shining Force games. It does do things a little differently. But it's being developed by Flight Plan, and it is being published by Sega. And Flight Plan has a very good reputation with you know, at least they have experience with tactical RPGs. Uh, so, the Summon Night games, I believe. Yes, they did the Summon Night games for the PlayStation and the PlayStation Two, which were uh, Summon Night One and Two were also remade recently on the DS. And um, you know, they've done other games like recent re- released uh, Eternal Poison. That just came out for PlayStation 2's Atlas's Eternal Poison. They did that. Um, you know. I think they also did Black Matrix, which is a bunch of games that never came out of Japan, but uh, they have a very, very weird hip-hop soundtrack, and anybody who's not a main story character, if they die on the field, they're gone forever. Now, is Black, is Black Matrix tactical RPG as well? Yes, it is. Oh. I can say I'm very ignorant about that series. I have not touched on it at all. But, you know, just the very fact that this company has, you know, kind of a reputation in the tactical RPG realm thrills me to absolutely no end. Because, you know, the games like Shining Force Neo uh, and Shining Force Force, uh, whatever, they were done by other companies. Uh, I guess Neverland, Amusement Vision, you know, you had Shining Tears that was... uh, Next tech. Uh, and, you know, I didn't care. But, you know, with Flight Plan at the helm, you know, I've liked some of the things they've done. I like their track record as far as tactical RPGs go. So the fact that Shining Force Feather is coming out next year in Japan, just it, it it's filling me with hope that we might actually see it, especially with the fact that Sega seems to be localizing a lot more RPGs, you know, with the, I guess, world destruction being promised to come over and... You know, they did Sheeran uh, last year. Dragon over? Probably. And hopefully Seventh Dragon, and hopefully, um, uh, da, 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 da. hopefully uh, Fantasy Star Zero. They're bringing Fantasy Star Portable over already for the PSP. So I'm hoping, you know, it seems like everybody and their brother that's in Japan is now localizing stuff for U.S. Uh, publishers are snatching up things left and right, so I have no I have no doubt in my mind we will see Shining Force Feather. I'm going to say it right here. I don't have any contact with Sega or know anything at all. But I'm going to say right here, I almost guarantee we will see this here. And I'm going to say that if it comes out here, I will buy it very, very quickly. You know, and, and one thing, it does differ. It's, it's not grid-based at all. Uh, it does what a couple of other tactical RPGs like, um, I guess it was Art the Lad, the Twilight of the Spirits did. You have a movement range that your characters can move in. 
instead of just having you know the grid they could move in, there's kind of a circle they can follow within that circle line. And if other units are within their attack range, other allied units, those allied units can team up and join in with your characters. And when you go into your actual attack phase, there's special attacks and combo moves that you can do that's a little more action-based. But from what I've read, uh, they're not, you know, it's not a heavy action focus. It's not like you're going into a, a one-on-one combat. It's kind of like special moves and things you can do on your turn uh, to kind of enhance your attack instead of it turning into an action RPG when you go into it. So, That's good. Enough of those lately. <clears throat> yeah, I, I'm done with action RPGs. You, yeah. I'm just big of a fan, and especially in The Shining Force. I want tactical. I'm just trying to wipe all action RPGs from my mind. Have, what do you think, Jonathan? Have you have any, seen anything about Shining Force Feather that you really like? I'm just happy to see something quasi-strategic. I never played any of the yeah. uh, the action RPG ones, but Japanese action RPGs usually don't appeal to me a whole lot. Usually in, when an action RPG is concerned, I'm more of a Western RPG sort of guy. Uh, but, you know, just something even remotely close, I mean, it, you know, it, it just brings up happy retro feelings, so... Oh yeah, and I know you're a big handheld gamer anyway, so yeah. I'm sure you like the fact that it's on the DS, and yeah. I'm glad that it's on the DS, because if my prediction that it won't make it here doesn't come through, mm-hmm. you can import it, because it's, you know, of course going to be region free, so yeah. I will totally do that if it doesn't make it here. But I don't see any reason it wouldn't make it here. Yeah, Between all the publishers really, yeah. that are out there, you know, I'd say Sega would second. let somebody have it. And Sega's been localizing all of the Shining games in recent years. Yeah, yeah they're usually pretty good Even the, I think the only one they've missed is uh, Shining Wind, is it? Yeah, uh, Shining Wind's, uh, it's, it came out in, o- in 07 for the PlayStation 2 and has yet to make it over here. And it probably won't. But, you know, that's just because it's at the end of the PlayStation 2's, kind of at the end of the PlayStation 2's life cycle. You know, they can always get, bring it out as a budget title, but yeah, it's probably not worth their time to even worry about it. It was just so late in the time frame that they just said, "eh, we'll pass on it for now." I know that's Maybe what a lot of so bad that they didn't want to mess with it anymore. Yeah, you know, I don't, I can't say I blame them. I wasn't going to run and jump out for this, <laughs> uh, but according to Wikipedia, the game was released and sold over. 78,000 units in four days, becoming the the top-selling game in the country that week. And according to IGN, the Uh game runs at a constant 60 frames per second. And that's all the reception that I have on it, (laughs) as far as the details go. So, yeah, it runs at 60 frames a second, which is nice. And it got a 27 from Famitsu. Famitsu. Out of 40, right? Yeah. So that doesn't... That doesn't sound that great. 27? Yeah, it's eh, one of the lowest-rated Shining Force ones that they've got listed. Eh, Mitsu's kind of hit or eh. miss. Yeah, but, you know, that aside, Shining Force Feather, it's the next iteration of Shining Force. And if Air Prophecy, the RPG Prophecy backtrack, which I've dubbed us now, comes true like it has with the other games that we've dealt with, you know, we sit and talk the first day about Super Mario RPG... Next week, boom, it's announced for virtual console. Next, we talked about, you know, Ogre Battle. 
boom, next thing you know, there's talk about uh, a trademark being filed for, for that. And I believe ESRB or somebody, or in Japan, there's been something. So it, one of those Ogre Battle games is coming out on Virtual Console. Yeah. If it, if it hasn't already. I'm, I'm I just going off the top of my head. And, you know, then we talk about Secret of Mana, Secret of Mana, and on the day that it came out on Virtual Console. So with Shining Force 1 and 2 already being on Virtual Console, I'm just going to say our prophecy is going to be that Sega is going to announce that they're localizing Shining Force Feather. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only other way to get this to be more accurate would be to have Sega CD games on the Virtual Console. Yeah. See, I guess they could announce that, you know, by the time this backtrack goes up. They could announce they're bringing Sega CD games over and Shining Force CDs coming out. Or what would be even better... Games, that's better. Because doesn't he have a tiny memory? Yeah. But you know what would be even better than all of that? Is if they announced on the virtual console that they were going to start bringing Saturn games over. Because you know what one of the best Saturn games ever is? One of them. Not the best, but at least one of the best. is Shining Force 3. And it is, also, it is also one of the biggest travesties in gaming, and one of the reasons that Sega can only redeem themselves by fixing this. Shining Force 3... a physical letter to Sega about this. I, I, I cannot say I blame you, because biggest travesties ever. Shining Force 3, when it was first announced, it was known right up front it was going to be a three-part series. You know, when I guess maybe not when it was first announced, but whenever the information started coming out, it was known there were going to be three scenarios to this game. Um, so, you know, in 1998, when Shining Force 3 actually hit, uh, I guess it was 97, the end of 97 in Japan, and it was 98 here in North America, you know, we got part one, scenario one. Scenario. And, and you know that as part of Sega's last, I'm not sure what they were doing with those last four Saturn games, putting out four last games and then leaving a year with nothing before the Dreamcast came. Yeah, that was just a, they just kind of abandoned everything, and that's that's really what kind of happened in this. Is I guess they were like, well, it's not really worth it. We're not going to worry about it. But well, why but, did you bother bringing out four last games if it's not worth it? <laughs> I know, I'm every bit as upset, but for the people that don't know, what happened was Shining Force 3 is broken up into three scenarios. Each scenario has a different main character. Um, Mike could probably tell you a whole lot about it because his handle of Jumi Sin is a breakdown of, I guess it's Symbios. How do you pronounce Sin? Is it Symbios? I think it's Symbios. Symbios. So Symbios the hero and the main character of the first game. Median. Is it, how do you pronounce that? Median? Median. Median? Yep. So Median was Scenario 2, and then Julian of Scenario 3. So, you know, Jew, me, Sin. Yeah. I figured that out probably before anybody else on staff did when you were doing a Q&A that I answered one time. <laughs> so I did remember that long ago. Uh, well, it also pops up in the third scenario in the game, Jew May Sin. Yeah. So, uh, Jonathan, I, I take it you probably have no familiarity with this setup. Oh, yeah. I've never even touched a Sega Saturn, so... Okay. Did you hear <laughs> about this at the time? How they released in America Part 1, 
And parts two and three, yeah, there was no dice. We never got. They came out in Japan only. Nope, not at all. The uh, what <laughs> yeah. di- what date was the Sega Saturn released? It was the kind of mid to late nineties, wasn't it? <laughs> the Saturn itself. Uh, it came out in the states. Uh, ninety-five. Uh, oh, I remember this very well. The whole incident with Sega Saturn Day being set up in September of ninety-five, and then them jumping the gun and it, yeah. only giving it to a few stores in May. Yeah, but like um. I think during that, that period of time was when I was currently becoming obsessed with PC games, so I uh, forget most consoles' existence. And I sure, certainly didn't have the money for a Sega Saturn, so... <laughs> well, I guess in a way, be glad that you never dealt with this, because, well, in a way, you missed out on one of the best tactical RPGs of the time. Uh, because, you know, this one really kind of ramped up in terms of story. Um, the plot was a lot more memorable than the past ones, and that was because you had kind of three plots kind of intertwining all into one. And, you know, that's exactly what happened yeah, in the third Symbios game. is on one side, Median is on another side, and both of their sides are not inherently evil. They're just thrown together by the maneuvering of the true evil behind it all, who you fight some of the time but don't really get to deal with until the very end. Mm-hmm. And then you had Julian, which is kind of the guy that was in the middle of all of this, and he kind of bounced back. Um, you know, in in part one, the the North American version, uh, Sim- Symbios, is that how we decided it was pronounced? I'm, I'm so First horrible name. with names. Um, you know, he was your main character. You had the same recruitable characters, same exploration in towns, and you know, all the unique Shining Force style characters, and. I remember well, correctly. Shining Force 3, instead of having little turtles or werewolves or whatnot, had penguins. Yes, the penguins. Those were cool. You know, they were a pain to, to level up. But if you did, you know, of course they were amazing. And penguin special attacks, while being remarkably uh, funny looking, were also quite fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Very true. Now, Watching a penguin enemy and beat it while standing on its back in the air was quite amusing. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, about about Shining Force 3, you know, when you were leading your force, you ran across Median's force, and, you know, you, you all kind of had your conflicts and kind of were at odds with each other. And, you know, Julian steps in, in part one, and, you know, is kind of like the mediator and you know, kind of breaks things up, and he's kind of the good guy. He's like, you know, we need to stop this and kind of balances things out. And, you know, he does the same thing again in part two. You see Median's side of the story and how all of that plays out. And your save files would transfer between them. You know, so what you did in part one, you transfer over to part two, and things that you did in part one affected, you know, playable characters that you could access in part two, uh, different story plots, who was involved in what plot what plot scenes in part two, and that continued on. You know, your file continued on again in part three. And all of your characters transferred over, and all of that information transferred over, and eventually at the end of part three, you know, all of the characters that you'd been playing throughout all three of these games, which were fairly long, you know, all things considered, all came together into one giant massive, final massive three-party coalition. It was so amazing. And, you know... 
Mike, along with myself, I actually I imported and was able to get you know the little import device to work on my Saturn so that I could play. I played part one in English, and amazingly enough, your save file transferred over to scenarios two and three in Japan, which you know was really it cool. This, it had this interesting effect of every character who you actually played as their names stayed in English in the Japanese versions. Yes. Because it apparently just copied over the names and the stats, and it copied over the English text from the English version of the original game. So, whereas you didn't really, you know, if you're like me and don't understand a thing of Japanese, and at the time probably didn't have good access to translations, translation facts, you were really just kind of going on what you knew was happening, what had gone on in the story, but you could still play the game because it played exactly the same. Uh, yep. You know, the interface was the same as part one, which you'd played for probably 20, 25 hours and knew how it played. So I was able to play through. This was my first experience at ever importing a Japanese game, and I was able to play through parts two and three with no issues whatsoever. And the overall package is just fantastic, one of my favorite experiences of all time. And it's just an absolute, absolute travesty that we never saw the complete package here in North America, and that needs to be fixed. You know, it, I don't know how. What I like so much it, about Shining Force 3 is how few of the battles are just a big slugfest. There's always something else going on. There are hostages you've got to escort to safety in that battle in Scenario 1 at the railway. Mm-hmm. There's that early battle in Scenario 2 where the cannon on the ship keeps blowing out chunks of the path in your way. Yeah, and I remember in Part 3, there's like a giant beam cannon. If you're walking in a certain part of this canyon, will blow up characters and do a heck of a lot of damage. So you had to go oh, yeah. around and fight the harder battles on the side. Or you could try to sneak through with some tougher characters. It was just nice. Going back for, Jonathan, one, going back in, for one second. In every but, uh, chapter, I remember, you could find this uh, ruins map. And if you got that, then you would be able to enter the ruins and race thieves for some good stuff, but if you never got the ruins map from the ruins, it would be completely inaccessible to you. Yeah. See, I don't remember that. Jonathan, what were you saying? Um, something about it, though, is we'll probably never see it, because I'm not sure if any of either of you are familiar with, but the uh, Sega Saturn was some sort of weird hardware, and the sense that it was incredibly, incredibly difficult to program for. And that's one of the reasons that emulation like, you know, emulation's a big no-no, but even for the professional purpose of emulation, the games that were on the Saturn rarely get ported over to anything else. In fact, it was a miracle that Knights even got brought over. Because in interviews by the Knights developers, uh, I'm not sure if the, the game Knights, uh, I'm not sure if everybody would be familiar with it, but they said that it was probably going to be, uh, before they actually brought it out, they said it was probably going to be impossible for them to ever port that over to another system just because the programming was yeah. so difficult. It was like a PlayStation 3 of its day. Yeah, we're probably never going to see Clans of Dragoon Saga on any other system. Yeah, same reason. Yes, another Saturn game that is absolutely fantastic. But what could happen, you know, it doesn't have to be a direct port. You know, uh, not Atlas, but um, Atlas was the one that, Atlas was the company that published the Shining Force remake of the original Shining Force. Uh, Resurrection Resurrection of the Dark Dragon. And it was developed by Amusement Vision, and it was it was a complete remake. It wasn't a port. You know, you had all new graphics, whole new storylines, translation, character transitions, just everything about it was a remake. So I have, you know, I, there's no reason they couldn't do the same with a Shining Force 3 remake. 
it, it just may not be worth their time to do when they could just create a new Shining Force game like they're doing with Feather. But I, uh, I understand Camelot, the developer, is interested in it and hasn't done anything but Mario or Nintendo sports games for a while. So they do. Yeah. Just down for it. They do. Yeah, Hot they Shark did the Golf Golden too, Sun. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. And then we've been waiting what five years now for Golden Sun three, which has never come. And instead, we got Mario Golf and Mario Tennis and, and Hot Shots yeah. Golf mm-hmm. things. And apparently, that recent one that had uh, that was released by Capcom that had Capcom characters that was done by them too. I can't remember the name of it. We love golf or something. We love golf. I think it was done by them too. We can take, you know, solace in the fact they still exist, but the fact that they haven't touched anything except a sports game since not t- or 2003 doesn't give me much hope hey, but for them. They're good specifically. sports games, though. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know, and they're one thing we can look forward to is you know maybe companies like Flight Plan teaming up with Sega to do something unique. Maybe Shining Force Feather will help spark something for them. You know, if Shining Force Feather really does take off and is a good success in Japan and comes over to North America and does well here, you know, maybe we'll see more from that. I'd love to see more from that. And I feel like I'm going on just an absolute rant right now. If Camelot can sign the rights over, then that's the major stumbling block, because I think they own the rights to Shining Force 3. Always something. There's always something. Even if I mean I I mean I'm not sure you guys are bigger fans than I would I am, but even if it was just a game styled like the old ones, it didn't have to be a literal translation. It can be you know a recreation of the game, a modern take on the recreation of the game, which may be what Shining Force Feather is going to be. Who knows? But I mean I'd be perfectly satisfied with that, and I enjoyed the Shining Force games of what I played of them. So yeah, I think at this point I really just need to be content with the fact that. You know, Shining Force Feather is being created, and that we mm-hmm. might possibly be able to get Shining Force Feather at some point in time. I'm sure there'll be so, translation guys, if not, and it's region free. So, yeah. I think your prediction is sound here. I think we're going to see Shining Force Feather. I, I I don't see how we couldn't. Sega's in usually pretty reliable age, about localizing things. Yeah, I I just see it this day and age. You know, even with Sega and other companies not being as prominent about porting things over, they know the DS market's, you know, the market to put stuff in. You know, they're absolutely wanting to to do games like that. And I don't see any reason why, if they don't do it, that somebody else couldn't jump along and bring stuff out. Because um, I know that's starting to happen with other companies. I'd just like to mention that Shining Force 3 Scenario 1 had a really, really good translation, which makes it even more of a crime that we never got Scenario 2. Yeah. I mean, it's enough to make me cry. It really is. I, I get teary-eyed when I think about it. But Sega uh, somehow learned how to translate games really well, and they wasted that by doing nothing for a year. Yeah. Now, one thing about Shining Force 3, real quick, I've got to know. Mike, did you get the uh, premium disc? I did. I still have it. Oh, lucky. I was not able to obtain that. Well, what exactly is the premium disc? I'm not familiar with this. Okay. You'll you'll have to explain. (laughs) Yeah. The premium disc is something that Camelot mailed out to customers in Japan who have the spine cards. Japanese games come with spine cards. Yeah. CD type. And... It has six parts. There's a sound test. There's 
a way you can look at all the character models from the game, lots of cool stuff like that. And the main part that would interest you guys would be the special battle mode, where if yes. you have a save file from any of the scenarios, then you can just plug that in and go through nine plotless battles that are just about testing your skills. Hmm. Although, if you don't have a save file from the end of scenario three, you're probably not going to get very far. Yeah, because... I heard those were, like, insanely hard. <laughs> well, uh, the first five are versus Shining Force 3 opponents, and then you start to get into opponents from earlier Shining Force games. Dark Dragon is pretty easy. Eum from Shining Force CD is harder. Zeon is horrendously hard because he regenerates and he has an incredibly powerful poison attack. And then the final one is Dark Soul. And he has 7,000 hit points in a Shining Force game. <laughs> yeah, I had heard they were insanely hard. I just had no idea exactly how insane. So that, it was a mail-order thing? So we're talking like a like a Darius twin yeah. sort of rarity thing here? I mean, I, Yeah, I, it was never officially released. Uh, I think I got mine for about 100 on eBay, and that's probably what it goes for now. When, mm. if and when they pop up, probably, which may or may yeah, not happen. Yeah. Well, it has gone down in price since the first years of its release because they did reissue it a couple of times, but it is still pretty rare. Mm. I'm just happy to still have my Shining Force three and my imported discs still intact, and I'll be happy with that for now because that's all I have and. That's all I'll ever be able to get. I'm looking online right now, and I see one with no bids, uh, now price of $125. Oh, well, that's nice. And a starting <laughs> bid of $125, so. I, I've bought yeah. equally a stupid thing, so I can't really talk, so. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Well, is there anything else you all would like to talk about as far as the Shining Force series goes? I know, Jonathan, we've kind of exhausted your... My knowledge, uh, yeah. knowledge of the series, but I know uh, Mike probably has plenty of expertise to pass around. I don't know if there's anything else we didn't really touch on that you'd like to. I, I, I like to say something real fast. Is anybody else really yeah. annoyed of the art style of the characters from the original games? Like some <laughs> of the characters were just horrible looking. I mean, you know, like there was one character that was a mage that kind of looked like a cross between a camel and an elf. I can't remember the name <laughs> of that character. You know, chances are oh, that's yes, probably the character. That's probably the character that my friend was talking about being like the girl he liked, I'd say. Yeah, and you know, like the some of the uh some of the uh, knights, the centaur knights had really long faces. It was like creepy eighties <laughs> cartoons. Yeah. I don't know. It kinda of disturbed me a little bit. The same character designer did the designs for Feta, which immediately let me let me recognize who did that game. Uh, give me just a, a, a tiny, tiny synopsis of what the Feta series is. You know how it, what it started on. Uh, it's it started on Super Famicom, and then they re-released it on Saturn, and then Feta Two came out on PlayStation. It's, it it looks like Shining Force from a distance, but the major difference in how it plays in battle would be. You move somebody, then the computer moves somebody. Agility doesn't matter. It's kind of like chess that way. You just pick, and until everyone has moved on both sides, the turn doesn't come to an end. Gotcha. Hmm. Okay. And it does have a lot more replayability because 
depending upon how much time you take to move around a map and how you win your battles, you can either tilt to the dark or to the light sides. And that also affects who joins you. There are some people who will join you regardless. There are some people who will only join you if you're a bloodthirsty conqueror. And there are some people who will only join you if you're behaving lawfully. Yeah, say that's cool. It's another series somehow, that we didn't get to see. And if you somehow tilt from being a bloodthirsty conqueror to the law side, then anybody who joined you as a bloodthirsty conqueror will leave you permanently. Hmm. See, there's, there's so many different kinds of you know, tactical RPGs that we could see and get in for, and get things on, and it's just a shame we really haven't seen as much about them, or as many of them over here, and all that Agreed. stuff. But is there anything else on Shining Force either of you'd like to talk about? Music, graphics, anything like that really stand out? The music doesn't. I don't remember enough about any of the music to really speak yeah. to that. I always try to speak to the music of these RPGs, but. The only thing I There's vaguely not- remember is the battle music. Like, when you were actually fighting, you know, like, when it would shift from your guy, and there'd be the foreground where you're standing in the background, then it would shift over to the other guy. And I can't even hum it, but I remember it in the back of my head. I don't remember <laughs> any of the other music from the entire game. I don't even sure if it was memorable at all. I guess not, but... Yeah. yeah. Well, I have two things about Shining Force 3 to say here. One is that Motoi Sakuraba did a really good score, I think, for it. Oh, and- Yes! I'd forgot that was who did that. Yes. And who? Oh, Michael, I can't believe you're forgetting how generous Sega was in letting the janitorial staff get a little extra side money with their voice acting. <laughs> so this is like, a, oh, is, is it like Chaos Wars bad? Uh, Let's. I will just imitate a couple of them for you. Please understand, this is my imitation. This is not the original. <laughs> Witness the power of steam! Oh, God, yes, I so remember that. It was uh, horrible. The battle the battle chants and stuff were atrocious. Uh, I so, have to do another one. Now, power my Arctic Blast. Yeah, and see, one thing that they did do, that Sega really did do, that I guess you know they don't deserve credit for, but they can get credit for, is bringing, bringing, oh, hold on, I've got a YouTube video up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, the magician's getting ready to attack. She's oh, no. getting ready to cast Blaze. Fire! <laughs> oh, yeah. Does it get any worse? Yes, oh, probably. Chaos Wars that- is pretty bad. <laughs> Well, did a critical and yelled, "Yeah!" It's it's not so much the same kind of bad as uh, Chaos Wars. It's just bad. And it, I mean, we're I, I'm not we're taking for granted that people know what this is, but Chaos Wars was a uh, PlayStation Two game that came out a while back and um, earlier this year. Earlier this year, and it was um, localized I'm by O three on audio atrocities. Yeah, and th- you can look up videos on YouTube and uh, the. Uh, the people who did the voices have the same last name as the president and CEO of the publishing company. Yeah, he got his family in there and yeah. was like, here's some free voice acting. Woohoo! Yeah. You'll never work uh, again. Sorry about yeah, that. Probably not. Yeah. But on Shining Force 3, or Shining Force altogether, anything else we need to touch on? 
Mm-hmm. I know we've kind of gone fairly long on this one, but that's good. Can't complain. It's that's a good series. And I can't wait to see more of it, especially Shining Force Feather. Mm-hmm. Well, we Hopefully we'll get it before the next the millennia. Redo. Yeah, the GBA game was, an, it was um, I guess there's not a ton that I can remember about it specifically, other than it being a complete remake uh, yeah. with new fundamentals to it. There was a, a card Sprite. system. Sprite's one of the characters. Yeah. What do y'all remember about it? Anything? Did the you play GBA it, Jonathan? Game? I mostly I just remember the graphics, because I I didn't have the same sprites that I remembered. Yeah, the graphics are a lot uh, more neon, I guess. Yeah, <clears throat> that seems to work. They're kind of pastel, yeah. a little bit pastel. Yeah. So it it was definitely a good series or a good remake. It was something I'd definitely uh, recommend trying out. It was extremely easy from what I can remember, whereas the original Genesis version was. Fairly challenging. It was a little bit tougher difficulty, but the GBA one was, you know, it was good. I enjoyed playing it, but it was definitely cake. I mean, you could go through it like that, no challenge whatsoever. But you know, it was I think still it fun. Does have a difficult select, though. Yeah, if I remember, I thought it, I think if you like beat it, you could go back and try it on different difficulties, which I always hated in RPGs. If you want me to play it in a different yeah. difficulty, give me that to start with. You know, give me all the difficulty options to start with. I'll let you have a new game plus or something like that. So yeah, I, I don't on. want new game plus. I just want all the difficulty options right up front. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, but, because it was portable and because I could take it to Europe with me, I played through it more times. <clears throat> I enjoyed it. It was a lot more... Uh, consistent in the leveling up from the original because the original sometimes a character would get plus one in one statistic and nothing else for a level and the same character would get plus nine attack the next level it was pretty random that way indeed mm. well gentlemen anything else before we go one yeah. last call Nah, not I can think of. All right. Well, at this time, I guess it's time we go ahead and wrap it up. Thank you, Mike, for joining us today. My pleasure. Appreciate it having you. And Jonathan, thank you as always for producing this and for recording it and doing all the behind the scenes stuff. And uh, yep, yep. You know, I'm Michael Cunningham, your host. I'm Max Storm. I guess I didn't introduce myself earlier, but that's all right because you know, nobody cares anyways. But you're yeah. the guy with a crazy accent. I'm the guy with the southern accent, man. Uh, I say, know. I can also affect random accents. <clears throat> At least, you know, hopefully mine isn't that bad. <laughs> oh, well. I say, are you <laughs> implying that my accent is less than stellar? It's kind of scary, I'll say that. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of the, uh, the Blue Raja from, uh, well, what was that movie? Ah, it doesn't matter. <laughs> oh, you want a scary accent? Here you go. You will listen to me, and you will listen very carefully. The power of my words is incredible. Wow. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the RPG Backtrack. That wraps it up for this... Uh, not necessary. Yeah, I know. This wraps it up for our November 2008 edition, and stay tuned for next month. Uh, you know, once we finally decide what in the world we're doing. 
uh, as always, uh, I guess you can't dig us on Dig anymore, but you can review us on iTunes. You can subscribe to the iTunes feed. You can email us at backtrack at rpgamer.com, and you can chat with us on the boards. Feel free to share your opinions and all kinds of stuff. We look forward to hearing them and responding. Thank you all for listening, and thank you, Jonathan and Mike, for joining us. And that's it for this November edition. We will catch you next week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.